Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing your feedback on Captain Marvel. Woo! Captain Marvel. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff, oh my gosh, it happened this week, man. What happened this week? We're not going to get way too into it, because we have in the past, and we will more, but uh, we've got other things to do today, but... I've got to mention, Fox is now owned by Mar- uh, Disney. <laughs> Fox is owned by Marvel, is what you tried to say. Uh, I said, I, uh, yes. Which is and I the think case. the most important part is that the Fox Marvel properties are now owned by Marvel. That's right. So we can get the X Men and Fantastic Four in the MCU. That's where right. they belong. And then so many good villains. Uh, in that, like, one of the big things I feel like uh, would have been lacking without this deal is a rogues gallery. Well, with the with the introduction of mutants and with the introduction of like the intergalactic threats of the Fantastic Four, like there's so many cool villains uh, oh, to yeah. mine, and I, I'm just pumped. I feel like they just secured the next decade of like amazing content because we've we've had you know they've been making X Men movies for 20 years to mix success, but like. We've got so they they could make a whole new series of X Men. It's a new challenge for Marvel. They've really never done characters that have been done before. You know what I mean? Um, a little bit here and there, like Hulk. Um, but this is this this is huge. This is huge. I'm so excited. Yeah, for the most part, everything that they've had has been just wide ass open. But now they get to show off like here's how you do it better. I mean, they did that with Spider Man. Sure. You know, in recent years, Spider Man was a thing, but. Like that just kind of goes to uh to to show their track record so far. That's that's their resume for the for the application. Yeah, I'm hoping that their lessons they've learned from making the rest of the MCU movies they will carry into making these movies, which is make your characters compelling from the beginning and build them from scratch and make people love your characters and then the movies the movies will be good from there on out, you know. Put them in compelling situations. Anyway, I'm so excited. Uh, you had something else uh, you wanted to mention about? I did. I did. There's a uh, there's a thing going on down here in Tampa. Uh, the Florida Aquarium has a, a loggerhead sea turtle that they're trying to to pick the name of, and it's it's an injured one, so they're not going to be able to release it back into the wild. So it's going to be. Uh, you know these these turtles live a considerably long time, so this turtle can be at the Florida Aquarium for quite a while with one of the greatest names that we could possibly vote for, and that name is Colson. Yeah, they're doing a contest to name the turtle, and yep. Colson is one of the options they've been given. How many options are there? Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight options. Eight. So we just wanted to mobilize our small. Uh, contingent of fans and listeners, all you MCU fans, like go and vote for Colson. <laughs> FLAquarium.org slash choose my name. These things live for a long time, and so the Colson Lives moniker could be a be around for a long time. Yep. And Love like it. every <laughs> I would have to take a sign every time we go to the aquarium for anything <laughs> and just be like, look, Colson lives. Colson lives. All right, yep. uh, let's get into some Captain Marvel feedback, my friend. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. So, Brian V. Klein said on Facebook, Saw Captain Marvel tonight. Tons more action than I expected. Really enjoyed it. Lots of laughs. 8.5 out of 10. 
Brie Larson did an excellent job. Sam Jackson was awesome. And yeah, Thanos is fucked. <laughs> yes, he is. Next up, Omar Omali, I said to us on Facebook, Captain Marvel spoilers with a bunch of Z's. He says, I managed to get myself in a press screening. Cap Marvel was awesome. Did not see this girl twist coming, and I am so happy for that. De-aging looks smooth, but for one odd angle scene. Carol was bad ass. Few Easter eggs I loved. The suit recoloring had the old color scheme and the black and white Monica Rambo scheme. Marvel had the comics Marvel hairstyle. The arcade machine had a badoon on it. Radio Shack! Ah! <laughs> I did not like the Force Avenger name on Carol's plane. I did not like the forced Avenger name on Carol's plane, unless she's known as Avenging, and then it's just meh. And then Fury using it. Also, how he lost his eye. Was hoping for something more heroic. I don't, you know, I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. And then he has in parentheses, name that reference, lol. <laughs> oh, I know that reference, sir. It's the Incredibles. Uh, I feel off the grid. I couldn't catch up with the Netflix shows, but I'm still with you guys. Peace and love, Omer. Cool. Uh, lots of things. Lots of things there. Um, yeah, I, I, a lot of people had that reaction to Fury's eye. Um, I, di- I didn't mind it. I think it was. Uh, I think it's one of those things, man. You build up something in your mind. Like, what could they have done to have? Yeah, what could they have eye? done to have it be so epic? Yeah, and then like, if it gets into where it's like, oh, you know, it's a fight between him and some scroll that takes his eye. Like, eh. You kind of expect that at this point, you know? Like, you go into the movie expecting that beat to happen. And then when they completely subvert that expectation, you know, some people may not like it, but I thought it was, I thought it was clever. Because then you get this, this history of Fury building up this, you know, this story of what happened to his eye with him not really even trying. You know, people think what they will about it. And he's just like, whatever, you just, you guys are going to make up something. Cause it's, a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think I think that uh, you know the fandom has that response in a lot of, in, to a lot of things. It's why a lot of people didn't like. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons a lot of people didn't like the second uh, new Star Wars movie. You know, they had all these expectations built up, and then Ryan Johnson just went a totally different way. Um, but you know, it, it, and, and there's also legitimate reasons to not like that movie. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> You know, I, I think that uh, I think with this particular case, it, it, I, I think it adds to his character. It adds this element of maybe he's sort of tr- pulling the wool over everyone's eye. Maybe he isn't superhuman. He's not the superhuman spy that maybe we all think he is. He's still a human under all that pretense, I guess. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, so next up, we have Wesley Marchina uh, sending us, it looks like a big old email. Hey guys, here's some feedback for Captain Marvel. I thought the movie was enjoyable. I liked it. In response to your suggestion of having action and edits line up with the music, I must say I agree. Fans love continuity. James Gunn establishes a visual and stylistic continuity when telling a cosmic-based Marvel story, which we see used by Taika Waititi in Thor Ragnarok. I think Captain Marvel could have benefited from the same stylized continuity. In response to the wooden portrayal of Captain Marvel, uh, the story is about letting go and releasing the ties that bind us down. Fighting with one hand behind your back? It's understandable that she's reserved. 
now that she's, quote, free, unquote, I'm really looking forward to watching her character develop as they move forward. Keep up the cast. Hmm. I, I definitely, you know, I obviously agree with him agreeing with me about the timing. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I am right. <laughs> you know what? He's right. I'm right. Um, but I will say I, I like the fact that in the Marvel Universe, we can have very different stylistic movies. You know, one of the things that makes it so cool is it's all in the same continuity. Like, the facts are the same. The characters are the same. But each movie can... You can make a spy thriller. You can make a comedy like Ragnarok. You can make, you know, a space epic like Guardians. And and they, they feel different visually and stylistically. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's what they were trying to do here. I just felt like maybe borrow a little bit of that magic sauce. Like it just would have made that scene. It just would have made that scene so much better. Um, if you had put a little, ma- put a little of that James Gunn magic on it. I guess it's actually more an Edgar Wright thing. Cause most of the time James Gunn definitely lines things up to the music, but they're normally actually music in the scene. He's lining things up to, uh, Edgar Wright's a little more, uh, he will he will line things up that are just like well I don't know Edgar Wright does that too so yeah they both they both do it I just like that I like that editing style a lot so I missed it there but I, that I, I so so I agree with him completely but I also disagree that uh, they all need to have the same style like you use the language that works for that movie uh, and I, and they, I just wish they'd I wish they'd chosen a little different like I think this, I think the directing in this movie was a little haphazard. Uh, rewatching it, man, um, on, yeah, one of the other things I had a problem with in this movie was her learning to fly. I, we, I think we talked about it on the cast where I thought when she learned to fly, there was a better, more dramatic way of expressing that she learned to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like showing her flying around and right. hitting planes and stuff, just having her show up and stop the missiles. I was listening to uh fat man beyond, which is the fat man on what fat man on Batman podcast became. And Mark Bernardin had a take on that. He had a problem with that scene too. And his fix for it, which I thought was so brilliant. Um, his fix for it was, so the whole movie is about her having people putting her down and not allowing, not thinking she should be a pilot. Like a lot of that early stuff in the movie is, you know, even her dad didn't want her driving the go-kart. And then her like, uh, her, her, her classmates at basic didn't want her climbing the ropes. They're like, you're going to kill yourself. Uh, and then the guy's like, you know why they call it a cockpit? Like all, all that stuff is all about her. They're all trying to keep her down and not allow her to be herself, which she's meant to go higher, further, faster. You know, like that's her whole thing. And Mark Bernardin's fix for the whole movie, and I think it's so genius, is to make her all of that worked and she never actually became a pilot. At least not of those kinds of planes. Like maybe she's a helicopter pilot and she's always wanted to fly, you know, the the the, the fighters or whatever. And that never yeah. happened. And so the moment when she actually becomes the, learns to fly, it's like she, she like really comes into her power, you know, and like achieves something she always dreamed about even before she was, you know, uh, super powered. And I thought that was such a genius fix for that, for that moment. It would have meant so much if her dream was to fly for the entirety of her life and then she never got to, and then suddenly she has the power to fly. Like, it would have meant more. I don't know. I thought that was genius. Yeah, that could have worked, but then, you know, you you miss out on the whole uh, the whole message to, to young girls of, like, 
don't be held down just because you're a girl, you know? Sure, sure. Well, and, and, and she could have still not been held down. They still could have, like, she still could have been a pilot of some sort, like I said, like with the hel- helicopters or whatever. Like, it, it, they could have done something else there. But, um, and it could, could have been her friend still could have become a pilot, just had to work for years to do it, maybe after she was already gone or whatever. Um, but I just, thought, I just thought it was a genius fix. I don't know. I just thought it would have been a very big emotional payoff. Instead, I feel like that scene, she learns to fly, and it's almost like you didn't realize she couldn't. She's like, oh, yeah, she flies. Sure, she's a superhero. Why not? <laughs> like, they of never even really mention, oh, what, she flies now? Like, they could have had even Fury look out the window and go, she can fly, or, like, whatever, like, you know. Something they don't even mention it. It's just like a thing that happens, and I don't. I think they meant it to be a big emotional moment, and it was not. Um, and I just like Mark Bernardin's fix. Uh, okay, what else we got? Okay, all right. Uh, Michael Cap said to his Captain Marvel feedback, "I thought the feminist aspect was a little heavy-handed at times. The way they did it in Wonder Woman seemed more natural. The fish out of water story of how she learned how women were treated in the early 1900s, mixed with the irony that she was stronger than all the men." Um, in Captain Marvel, it seemed more patronizing. Like, hey, look, look, it's a female superhero. She's like a male superhero, but a female. Did we mention she's female? Hmm. Your your introduction to the podcast was telling. Uh, something like, given our current political climate, I think this movie is great. A truly great movie doesn't need caveats about subjective political beliefs. A truly great movie will always be great no matter who is president or what the current media trends are. That said, best Stanley cameo by far. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't believe we didn't mention the Stan Lee cameo last week. We did. Oh, we did? I don't think we I, did. I thought we did. Mm-mm. I remember talking about it with, like, everybody. I don't think you we... You included. Yeah, we, we may have talked about it otherwise, but I, I freaking... I'm a big Mallrats fan from, like, when I was 13, and that was such a great moment. Um, really, really cool. Um as for the sexism stuff, yeah, uh, I, I, I agree that a good movie is a good movie. Um, but, um, it, it, this, this movie was obviously trying to make a statement, but I don't think it overrode what it was trying to do as a story. I think it was still a good story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and whether you agree or whether you think that statement is worth trying to put in the story or not, like, I think that it, it, it was a good story regardless, and then it also had this social point. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, whatever the moment is. <laughs> I just, I, I don't recall saying that, you know, given the current political climate, I think it's yeah. great. I think I was, I think that's the first, I was thing, specifically, that's the first thing you said on the cast. I remember no, it. The, what I was saying <laughs> at the time and am still saying is that this movie is very politically aware. It's very yes. socially aware. And it's definitely good, good for the time in that people are looking for that right now. So like it definitely fits in with the, with the current, you know, moment. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't qualifying it with like, it's good for the time. I was just like, Hey, it's also like, other than being good, it's also politically aware. And I think that it, Marvel has always been, you know, in comics and movies, pretty socially and politically aware. Yeah. It's just now it's so much more, uh, it's so much more in your face because it's, it is a tentpole movie of something that is like, uh, it's, it's, I think it's near a billion at this point, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check that number before I go just spouting off words. Okay. It's over 800 million. It's, it, 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 the political statements in movies are, 
are are more on the face on their face right now because we have some pretty extreme political situations happening uh and non-political just like social movements happening um yeah. and and i think it's all good um but i think those movements are good but uh <laughs> but yeah like we we, we i do I, we've talked about it many times uh but i do you've got to tell a good story first yeah if you're if absolutely. you're if, if you're doing your job you've got to tell a good story first if you tell a good story, then people will care about the message behind it. Is has always been my my uh, thought as far as you know filmmaking because I am an expert in filmmaking. Yeah, you're totally an expert. Yeah, because that's why I do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why absolutely. We're, we're absolutely qualified. Yep, one hundred percent. All right. So next up, Brandon Hall said, "Quick comment." Da, 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 da. Captain Marvel's powers come from the Tesseract and Infinity Stone. Since Hydra was over, or bleh, since Hydra was under over at Shield, that is probably how they knew they could give humans powers, a la Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Hmm. It is interesting how many of the Avengers uh, have, uh, you know, or at least past characters in the Avengers have their powers for, directly from the uh, Infinity Stones now. Yeah, so we had what Quicksilver, we had Scarlet Witch. They were they got their powers from the uh, when it was the scepter, but it's the Mind Stone, right? And, uh, and, and now Carol Danvers. Vision had it in his head. Yep. And now Carol Danvers. Yep. That's a, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's several. That is several. <laughs> More than one. Uh, let's see. Kyoki Young said, "Hey, sorry. Hi guys. In case you do a Captain Marvel feedback episode, here are my thoughts." Well. It's a good thing you sent this in. Because we're doing it. We're doing it, yo. We're doing it right now. Uh, He says, overall, I enjoyed it. Though I'm much more excited for Avengers Endgame. And Captain Marvel kind of felt to me like two hours of filler and exposition to explain who this lady is before she shows up in Endgame. I love the 90s feel. And I'm starting to feel old now that there are 90s nostalgia movies. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Uh, me too. I thought Brie Larson was great and hope to see her in more. I appreciated that she wasn't sexualized in the least. The Bechdel test seems to have been passed with flying colors, as I think Captain Marvel could easily have been a man without the plot being affected at all. Most Hollywood films feature a romance, and when the main character is an attractive female, it's practically a given. Yet Captain Marvel had not even a hint of romance, nor did it need one. The buddy chemistry between Carol and Fury was fun for what it was. I wasn't too fond of how Fury lost his eye. In Captain America, the Winter Soldier, I think he said, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. While he might not have been telling the truth, that alludes to a more meaningful story than getting scratched by an alien cat. In my opinion, it would have been funnier if he kept almost losing his eye, making us all wonder if this is finally it. And in the end, we never find out how he lost it. But maybe that's just my twisted sense of humor. Uh, my only real complaint about Captain Marvel is that her powers were ill-defined. Since I don't read the comics like a lot of movie viewers, I had no idea of what the character is capable. The last battle made her seem nigh-invincible, and it can be hard to relate to such heroes. If we don't know whether they're in jeopardy, it can get uninteresting seeing them just destroy one bad guy after another. It's the Superman syndrome, only without the kryptonite to offer any kind of threat. I hope Endgame will explain Captain Marvel's abilities better. Excelsior! Hmm, I agree with that. I, I, it, they did do a few things with 
playing with his eye getting hurt. I think after the after the crash in the car, he's yeah, like the car holding, crash. He's holding his eye. Well, he had uh, he had uh, a, like a cut on his head from that car crash, right? And well, he had a uh, I think he had that a bandage was, over it, and then had right. like a cold pack on it. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be a joke to like, hey, he lost his eye. No, he didn't. Like is no, a little, little nod to that. So I, I, I do think that that would I, I wouldn't have minded a couple more. I actually think that a good punchline to that joke, like if they had done it a little more, like have him almost lose his eye a few more times. Like oh yeah, had something sharp grazes grazed by his vision. You know, he darts out of the way just in time. Something like that. Have a few more times where you think it might have happened, and then have a cat scratch him. Like that's pretty <laughs> funny. Have him leaned against like a uh, like one of those filing cabinets, and a bullet ricochets off like right next to his face, like almost right next to his eye, and he's just like, "Whoa!" Yeah, it could it could could have been good. Could have been good to like drive that joke home a little more. We really need to come up with a series now, like just of different ways that Fury could have almost lost his eye in this movie. Mm-hmm. Just like have a bunch of different uh, a different things and we just you know kind of animated or acted or whatever we'll put that on the youtube channel <laughs> yeah i'm down um i uh i definitely agree about captain marvel's powers being well defined like they don't need to be her just to be totally op uh she needs to you know have some have some faults or at least understand what she can and can't do because as of now she does seem very invincible and i think we kind of need someone invincible for the current storyline and maybe that'll be the key is maybe the next storyline will also be very important to have someone like that maybe captain marvel 2 is going to be fighting galactus or whatever (laughs) (laughs) i want to see captain marvel and thor team up to face galactus yeah there's been a lot of people shipping those two apparently yep Yep. So that's pretty funny. Well, it's it's that trailer, man. Yeah. The trailer was like, mm, you can see that. You see that happening. Yeah. Who, who needs Natalie Portman? Speaking of not sexualizing or giving her a romantic storyline, um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone immediately shipped her as soon as they saw her. See, here's here's my here's my here's my problem with the whole. Here is my cynical nature with the whole not making her have a romantic connection in this movie. Uh, I have a sad feeling that the reason they didn't do that is because Fury's black. Mm. And, and and if if it were if it were someone like Chris Pine or whatever, like just another white guy, it would have been less controversial to have even just you know a hint of romance. It wouldn't have to be like you know heavily romantic but it is true that most most films focusing on a female character have a little romance uh unless it's a black guy and then they avoid that and so that's my that's my cynical uh take on it i i I hope that kiyoki's right and that it was just purely like let's make a movie without that because she doesn't she doesn't have to have that to define her she's a strong independent woman that don't need no man yeah that's what i took from it me too me too, but uh, there's that cynical part of me that's like, well, it's just another reason they didn't want to offend a diff- offend people for a different reason, you know? <laughs> <Just like. laughs> it's already hard enough to get conservatives into a Captain Marvel movie where it's just a woman being a hero. Yeah. Uh, you can't have her love a black guy. Right, yeah, and that's... Uh, it sucks. It sucks, it's, it sucks, but also, like, for, you know, it's like... 
there, there's 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 no excuse there's no excuse for that but like and i'm not saying that's the, definitely why they did it i also think that like i don't really want need to see nick fury in a romantic situation you know i don't really need to see that character have a romance and most of the marvel movies uh, okay maybe i'm wrong I'm trying to think of if a lot of the Marvel movies have romance, and I guess they do to some degree. Um, when there's time for it, most of the solo movies have some element of romance. Yeah. Um, so it's not just when a girl is at the head. It's like most of the time they have romance. And so you kind of start thinking, like, is there a reason they didn't have it in this one? <laughs> like, other than just making her that way. Anyway, anyway, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Hopefully that's <laughs> not the case. Hopefully not. I, you know, I honestly thought that Nick Fury had a pretty solid chemistry with uh, Maria Rambo. <laughs> uh, maybe. I'm only laughing because after we're just talking about like, you're like, hey, there's two black people on screen. Let's ship them. <laughs> no, they had a really good time together in the in the ship. Yeah, or in the yeah, yeah, no, no. quad jet. They called it sure. quad jet for sure. They did. Uh, they did seem to have good chemistry. I kind of expected them to to do that, and I'm honestly I'm glad that they didn't because Nick Fury doesn't need a woman, right? Just like Captain Marvel doesn't need no man. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely. I just think that you don't have to. Do you don't need a shoehorn in a romance plot in any of these movies, really? Matt, somebody has to kiss somebody. All right? <laughs> right, I cannot have a movie where there's no making out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm sure that like there are screenwriting rules that it's page sixty seven. <laughs> it's time for the two characters to kiss for the first time before they have their first fight. Like that's that's the way screenwriting kind of works for these types of uh, tentpole movies a lot of times. Uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, we're I think I, I I like to think that we're evolving past that as a society. That like that's uh, a romantic storyline is not the reason for anyone's existence. You know, like. Just yep. It's okay yep. if it's there. It's okay to have a romance. It's just not necessary all the time. Yep. 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 Uh, let's see. Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, "I really liked Captain Marvel, but did I miss something? I understand she got her powers by blowing up that power source, but how did she get Cree DNA? Was it because Marvel was next to her when the power source exploded?" I believe uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that it's because they they infused. It, they she got it from. Uh, she got a blood transfusion from Jan Rog. From Jan Rog, yeah. Now, uh, did she have blue blood at right immediately following the explosion, or was that just in a memory? Maybe. I th- I want to say that she did get blue blood immediately. I think I think she had blue blood. I know in the trailer she did, but it may have been weird editing. Um, well, and also in the memory she did because it was it was like that weird shifting. But I'm not sure if it was like it was red, it was blue, it was red, it was blue because of the weird shifting. Right. It's also her memory has been changed from the 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 Cree. So it's possible they wanted her to think she had blue butt all along because yeah. because she was always a Cree. You know. I mean, in their mind. In, in the comics, that's, that is how she got her, uh, her power is because there was an explosion and Captain Marvel, Marvel covered her, like to shield her from the blast and the blast like pushed his DNA into her, right. not in a sexual way, just like, you know, just kind of infused her with his DNA and he was just like, oh, well, I guess we share this power now. 
Yeah, but the question is, we we see how she got her power. We don't know how she got the blue blood exactly, and I think I think it's just from the transfusion from Yanrog. But I, and I think that that memory is either a false memory or a confused memory. Yeah, when she has yeah. blue blood lying because as far as she knows, she's always had blue blood because she doesn't remember being from C thirty four or whatever. <laughs> Terra. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 <clears throat> All right, next up, Nathaniel Muzzy said to us on Facebook, Captain Marvel spoilers. I would like to argue for partial credit on my Goose the Cat is a scroll and takes Nick Fury's eye theory. Not a scroll, but was an alien that took Nick Fury's eye. I await my grade patiently. Uh yeah. You you get a you get a a passing grade for that. Yeah, B plus theory. That is actually really good. <laughs> the the idea that uh, before you saw the movie to say that Goose got the got his eye, that's pretty good. Good yep. job. Yep. Good job, Nathaniel. You deserve full credit. <laughs> but you don't get it because he wasn't a scroll. Ashley Coffin said to us on Twitter, <laughs> Captain Marvel was pretty much me. I am 34. I was grunge in high school and middle school. I love Hole, still do to this day. It was like the soundtrack of my adolescent life to the theme of what I wish I could be most in the world at that time. It was amazing. As a hairstylist, I feel like I've been able to tell things by everyone's hair. The uh, the timeline info is in Black Widow's hair. In Infinity War, she was so blonde I called her Everyday Root Touch-Up. If you noticed in the best mid credit scene, I was the only one in the theater to give Captain Beard the attention it deserved. Widow's roots are dark and coming in, so it shows at least one to two months have gone by since the end. You can see Carol's hair is three inches longer, so I'm assuming we are to guess she ages like Thor. I am very interested in seeing the dynamic of her, her powers being from the stone versus Thanos, as we saw with Wanda, only a power source from the stone can destroy another stone. So are we to think that Thanos with the stones will actually be able to put up a good fight since they are all powered by the stones, whereas Thor's hammer was a different kind of energy source and was able to break through the power of the gauntlet. It's all very fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think that Ashley should come on our show because that that sort of like attention to detail is exactly what we what we like to do, but also there were so many different stray thoughts in there that it would just match perfectly with what we're doing. <laughs> Gee, it might be just as, uh, just as, uh, all over the place. Uh, yeah. no, yeah, I, I, I love, I love hearing from different people who are experts in different things and what they take away from the movies. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like for, we're talking about music. I, I love, I love hearing all the music things in these movies and talk about hairstyles. We got Ashley over there. Get, you know, I just think that's cool. I think it's cool when listeners write in with like specifics about because I don't notice hairstyles. I I barely noticed that Steve had lost the beard for real. Um, she's right about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the uh, the mid credit scene him not having the beard. I just always remember him having the beard, and I thought that he lost beard in Endgame, like. In preparation for going back in time or something, like I didn't right. think about it. Yeah, that's cool. Good, good catch, Ashley. Good catch, Ashley. Anytime you want to come on the show, you let me know. Uh, Yoda Hugh said to us on Twitter at MCU Cast. I feel like they reshot hashtag Captain Marvel a reaction to Stan Lee. It felt choppy. Uh, love that the Tesseract played such a big part and the little nods like Pegasus becoming Project Pegasus. Coulson was a scroll briefly. Fury was amazing. Okay, I love this film now. Damn it, Marvel. <laughs> uh, are there, op- are, 
he's yeah okay he had another one uh that he tweeted out as that mcu cast so i didn't have high hopes for hashtag captain marvel but i was pleasantly surprised Glad Fury lost his eye that way. I loved Goose. Brilliant twist with the Kree Scroll War. That Meg credit scene. And during the movie, he said, Adams, you guys, that opening logo, three hearts, hashtag Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I loved, I loved all the Stan Lee stuff. I, and we didn't bring it up on the show because I realized it after the show and I was like, dang it, we didn't even talk about Stan Lee. And they had just such a great opening. And then the, the, on the bus, the bus, uh, the mall rats thing was amazing. I, I really can't wait to hear Kevin Smith talk about it because you know he loved. Uh, he has a really he had a really tight relationship with Stanley ever since they made that movie together. Yeah, and uh, I, I can't wait to hear hear him talk about it. I'm sure it was really emotional for him to get to. I mean, like it, it's neat because Stanley is now in the Marvel universe. Like that was Stanley <laughs> in yeah. the MCU. That wasn't. The Watcher or whatever. That was Stan Lee. Yeah, that wasn't a Watcher. That was, that was actual Stan Lee who actually wrote comics actually being in the movie Mallrats. Yeah, that was super fun. Loved it so much. So that, that, that proves that Stan Lee is the one above all in the, uh, in the MCU. Maybe. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to find out more about that. But yeah, it, it seems like he, uh, he, whatever, something happens to him, he transforms. <laughs> <laughs> he transcends. Because in all the other ones, he's supposedly the one above all, or the Watchers, or whatever. Watcher. Well, whatever he is on that planet. What's it, what were those things? It was, he was, uh, talking to the Watchers. Yeah. But the one above all is like ultra powerful, you know, across all of the multiverse kind of uh could rewrite anything that he wants to effectively like a you know a comic book writer of the world neat just in the world you know like an embodiment in within the world so that's that's what i think that's what i think he's doing all right and he was just telling like he was telling fun stories to the uh to the to the watchers just like hey yeah. guess what i did to myself <laughs> i was a fedex delivery guy can you believe it yeah, that was really fun. nuts. Uh, Tony Stank. Oh eight four said to us on Twitter, Adams, you cast. I had the same slight issue with the final Captain Marvel post credit as Jeff did, but thanks to Matt for the helpful headcanon. Crisis averted. <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember your helpful headcanon. Well, what was your problem with the post credit sequence? The problem is that the the cube didn't just oh that's right melt and through the desk. My headcanon was it was because it wasn't recently activated. <laughs> Which I, I think, it works. It works. It, it Thank only you, barely works. Thank you, OE4, for recognizing uh, my genius ability to headcanon. I've been a Star Trek fan a long time. <laughs> I've headcanon a lot of little things over the years. <laughs> uh, like, headcanon is, like pra- is something I practice regularly. <laughs> it's probably the thing I'm most good at. <laughs> Better than music? Yeah. Oh yeah, long shot. I'm, yeah, by I'm, a long shot. I'm not very good at music. <laughs> but if you'd like to find out how good at music I am, look for Matthew Carroll on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, or Amazon Music. All the places you get music, search for Matthew Carroll. I'm on there. <laughs> I'm glad I could open that up for you. Yeah, thanks for leading me into a little uh, uh, little, little pitch yeah, for my for my music there. Nice little 
nice little plug. You're welcome. I'm just going to start doing that as often as possible. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Cape Deficit said to us on Twitter, Adam Sucast, if it's not too late to get feedback onto your hashtag Captain Marvel show, I just got to say, that cat proves why you always got to look out for us gingers. <laughs> That's that's what my girlfriend says. Yep. Yep. Gotta watch it's out for it. Not untrue. 084 said to us on Twitter, uh, Adam Sucast, I forgot to mention that I noticed Blackout from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a bartender in Captain Marvel. I guess we know what he was doing before becoming a psycho stalker. Huh. That's funny. That's a good catch. I did not see that. I didn't either. I guess he was he the bartender that in the in the bar where they sit and she blows up the uh the jukebox. How yep. long ago was Blackout? Blackout wasn't Season that long ago. Season 1. Right. Well, but I'm trying to think is like when he went to prison, right? Cuz Blackout went to prison uh cuz he was stalking or like trying to kill I, I was just wondering if it was like uh possible that that all happened before, but it wasn't because the chillest was just a budding thing in Avengers or whatever. Okay. Yeah, that was 2012. 2012 was when the cellist was being a, a budding thing. Yeah, neat. Um, that is neat if that's actually a connection. I hope it is. <laughs> We're going to say it is. Yeah, headcanon. All yeah, right. They brought in a character from the shows. <laughs> the, the most beloved character from the show made it on the movies. Blackout. Yeah. No, oh, I was going to say Phil Coulson. <laughs> He was, I guess he's still technically a character from the movies. Yeah. Because he was movie show movies. Movie show movies. Uh, Lil Jones 901 said to us on Twitter, Adam, see you cast my theory about the Fonz lunchbox. The Fonz was, slash is, always cool. So to see the Tesseract in this movie, and that was, slash is, cool. It's only right to put the two together and a nod to the diehard fans that, hey, Here's something cool. <laughs> Maybe that's also why uh, it doesn't burn through it. You know, it's just so the power of the Fonz is keeping the the integrity of the lunchbox together. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I guess yeah, that's another uh, another point where I could be like, God, son of a, because you know, didn't burn through the lunchbox. It's the power of the Fonz, man. Okay, yeah, I, I'll go with it's the power of the Fonz for sure. <laughs> That's some that's some solid head canning right there. Right. <laughs> it's because it's Told you I'm real good at this. <laughs> Chris Oval said, Hey guys, love the podcast. One day at work, while I was thinking about Infinity War and what Marvel would do next, I thought, well I can't just sit here and not get any work done. Then the idea dawned on me there must be a podcast for things superhero or Marvel related. Sure enough I found yours. Sounds like you're still not getting any work done, no Chris. He says, anyways, my main question is, could you guys elaborate more on what you think about the post credit scene? Maybe how the remaining Avengers got a hold of the pager, or what do you think Danvers' reaction might be after hearing uh, about the events that took place while she was gone? The biggest, I, I think that they got a hold of the pager just because this big world-ending thing happened, and then suddenly some sort of signal was being broadcast out into the universe, you know? Uh, they they did probably just detected some sort of long distance signal as they say in the movie. Yeah, but they knew it was they knew it belonged to Fury though. Well, it was they probably found it next to his car. Yeah, but it was a nondescript black car. You don't think they have license plate? No. 
No, they don't have license they, plates. They definitely, it, it was a shield car. They probably nah. found it and they were like, oh, this was Fury's car. And here's a futuristic fancy super pager. Like, I think that's pretty clear. That, that, that seems pretty clear. In the middle, in the middle of the city where everything is going to shit and everybody's losing their damn minds? I don't think so. But we don't I know don't, how, we have no idea how long it's been. I think yeah, we're, we're going to see been that. Scouring the earth. Well, they're going to no. There's going to be a huge signal beaming into space, and one of the science bros, possibly even like Rocket, who has experience with intergalactic like communication, um, he's going to go, "Hey, what's this? What's this? Uh, there's, a, there's a signal being sent from Earth. Y'all don't have that technology." And then you go over, and then they 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 they. they 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 talk about it in the in the in the post credits how they had to like remove it and like hook it up so it wouldn't they had to bypass the battery so they wouldn't die and had it and had yeah it, and then had it the power just turned off yeah like so I, I, think I can I can it. I can buy rocket I can buy rocket finding it and saying hey or this is right no no or, come on, honestly any technology you don't think that any any of the science bros it would be believable if they gave one line to. I'm, I'm seeing some sort of signal being beamed into space. I would buy that from Tony. I would buy that from uh, uh, Hulk. Gosh, Banner. I would buy that from Rocket. I would buy that from Pym. Uh, there's tons of characters who could find that pager, and it would be absolutely believable. See, th- this is where we're getting into the, the point of contention here, where just because you're a science bro doesn't mean that you have a PhD in literally freaking everything. Yeah, I agree with you on that, but these movies don't. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a this is a movie and it's a Marvel movie and it's like you got Tony Stark who's a weapons expert and an AI expert and a like just like he does and they all do everything. If it's science related, they can pull it off. Uh, I would say with Tony, the AI and weapons thing and, and robotics in general, they, that makes sense because all of those go hand in hand. Eh. Built, building something like Jarvis has nothing to do with building a, a missile that fires well. Like, that's, those are two completely different uh, I disagree entirely. If you were building an Iron Man suit, it would be a team of a hundred people working on an Iron Man suit. But Absolutely. The point of these movies is Tony Stark's brain is his superpower, and he can do all kinds of science. And it's Banner, but Tony Stark is stuck in space. Sure, but we don't know if he's stuck in space at that point. We just don't know. Um, we didn't see him in the post credits sequence, but that doesn't mean anything. We don't know how long it's been. He's dead. I just don't understand the disbelief. Um, <laughs> you're just having such disbelief. And, and anyway, all I'm all, okay with Rocket finding yeah, it because Rocket can Rocket, easily find it if nobody Rocket, else. Rocket's there. Yeah, Rocket has the the technology, the no, the the intergalactic experience. I'll call it. Uh, to be able to find that sort of thing and be like, hey, oh, well, this is really weird. You guys don't have this technology, or you shouldn't. Like, let's find out why. And then when they get there, maybe they run the plates and they're like, hey, this is alias is one of Fury's aliases. And then they link it up to it being Fury because it's not like they're going to be like, oh, this pile of ash looked like Nick Fury. No, but it's going to be next to his car. I just think it's also like it's a pager he's been carrying since the 90s. It's very possible like that people knew that this was a pager he carried with him, you know? Yeah. There's there's all kinds of easy answers to this stuff. The question has come up several times before as well. Like, why didn't he press the pager before? And what if he did? 
what if he had pressed the pager repeatedly, just hoping? Right. And then she she was on her way back from like the Battle of New York, like whenever you know 2012 was around. But it's still like it's space travel, you know. Possibly, uh, she seems like she can go at light speeds or whatever. So, you know, it seems like she can she could have gotten there faster. But also, um, he had the Avengers have been his force to call. And they've been around yeah. for every major threat. It wasn't until they lost and he sees people disappearing and he knows that they've lost uh, that he's like, you know, it's time to call in the reinforcements. I don't know. From what I remember about the post credit scene, it was like they heard about the, the contacts over Wakanda and then things started disappearing. Like it was pretty quick him finding about finding out about the fight and then people starting to go away. Well, he find they they know um, he was probably privy to some of the conversations earlier in the movie when uh, you know he wasn't there, but when um, you see like the the, the conversation with uh, Everett Ross or not Everett Ross um, Thunderbolt Ross Thunderbolt Ross uh, th- those conversations like I think Shield probably knew. Um, or at least uh, the super spy himself knew what was going on with Thanos in some way, and the contacts over Wakanda were just like, "Oh, it's the latest, you know, it's the big, it's the big battle is happening now." And then when everyone starts disappearing, he realizes, "Oh, I've lost. They've lost the battle." So yeah, I think, they I think it makes sense. Weren't there? There's plenty of headcanon to be done. The thing is, the movie's <laughs> not out yet. I don't want to have to headcanon things that don't exist yet. <laughs> and so, so stop being so disbelieving. These are good answers. These are good headcanons. And the movie's not even here yet. We just don't even know at what point these things happen in the movie. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> totally fine. Is, what do you think Danvers' reaction might be after hearing of the events that took place while she was gone? I don't know that she'll care that much. I say that because I don't know as of now she doesn't really remember her own life that well right yeah but the first thing that she said when everybody saw her was where's Fury yeah so I mean sure she'll be like oh wow Fury built a fighting force that makes sense I don't know like what 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 are we talking about here like yeah she's gonna worry that Fury's gone she's gonna be sad that her friend is gone but like she also showed. She also was probably out in the universe when all this happened, and saw some of her close friends disappear. Yeah, that's that's uh, a very likely thing. Um, what I'm what I'm thinking that she said that, like she said, where's Fury? Because they're all standing there talking about how the hell this thing turned off, or you know, and how they had to wire it up to, to you know keep power and like to not run the battery out and like keep the signal going. And Fury thought it was important. And then, you know, they're they're kind of talking about Fury as if he's not around to keep the signal on. And then she hears that as she's coming up, and she's like, "Hey, uh, I Maybe. gave that to Fury." Yeah, no, I think and I think she just not is, around. Where's Fury? Is just because she followed the message. She followed the peep, the beeper that was supposed to be Fury. You know. Yeah, and he's yeah. not there. And I think the reason it turned off—they were talking about it turning off—is just because she arrived. Like I think she was just like, "I'm here, please stop." <laughs> yeah, she it probably it probably was proximity or whatever. When she yeah, arrives, it turns off. Or she uh, she acknowledged the alert for any of the exactly out there who are Solar Winds users. Uh, you'll know what I mean there. <laughs> or anyone who knows what those words mean. Nope. <laughs> like, nope. 
There's no other context that it could be used in. <laughs> Flip said to us in an email, Greetings and salutations. I saw Captain Marvel over the weekend and was knocked out. You need to get that looked at. Probably go back and see it so that you can finish the movie. Mm-hmm. Continue said, I didn't know what to expect, but they did a fantastic job. Couple of thoughts. I thought the tribute to Stan in the beginning during the Marvel logo was awesome. Almost started tearing up before the movie even started. Do you know if this will be a permanent thing moving on, or was it just for this movie? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pin it right there. I hope that it is a, at least a permanent thing this year. Um, I can't say for certain that it's going to be a, a permanent thing going forward, but it's, it definitely felt like a really, touching way to to reach out to Stan. Hmm. I thought and, it was touching. I don't know that they'll do it in another one. Um I you know, he he is Stan Stan's the man. He's he's one of the biggest creators of all this stuff, but he's not the only one and you know, I think that uh like I think it was a very fitting tribute to have the movie after he passed. It's pretty pretty awesome that they did it. Uh, but I don't know if they'll do it again. I could see them doing it in Avengers Endgame, but I don't see them doing it after that. I think that, that they might do it the ones, those two. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's fair. Um, Personally. I, I, I think that they're probably going to do it during Endgame at the very least, just because like that's the one that everybody's coming back for, even if you skip Captain Marvel, which I don't know why you would. Right, but uh, I, think that, I think the people who are going to want to see a, a um, Stanley A Stan tribute, montage? The people who wanted to see that are all going to see this movie. That's fair. That's fair. So I think it was a fitting uh, tribute. Fair. I think there are people who would go see Endgame and not know who Stanley is. Also, also true. Uh, let's see. Stan's cameo was awesome as usual. Was that the script to Mallrats he was reading? It uh, was. Yeah, it was. It was in fact. Uh, my only experience with Captain Marvel was a black woman whose name, I believe, was Monica. Is there any connection between her and Carol's niece from the movie? That's all I got. Thanks for doing the best Marvel cast out there. Excelsior! Uh, to answer your question, yes. Yes, it is exactly that character. Is Monica really? Rambo. Yeah, Monica Rambo, daughter of Maria, uh, eventually became... Uh, she got her own powers. I think it was light based, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she was like photon was her name because that was her mom's call sign when she was a pilot. Mm. Um, and also she eventually called herself Captain Marvel, uh, just because the name was free at the time. I guess it was like a buffet of names. Sure. And it's um, also a tribute to someone she grew up with and. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, that's the. You know, she took the name kind of being as a tribute, but then she gave it back whenever, uh, you know, whenever Miss Marvel or, you know, whatever, when, when she came back, when Carol came back. Um, and, you know, they, they all go through several names, several iterations or whatever. But yes, Monica Rambo is, was Captain Marvel. That is neat. That is yep. really neat. I didn't know that. And, uh, that's really, really cool. The way yep, she's talking yep. on the stairs. Uh, she talks on the stairs, and uh, it actually made me. She's talking to one of the children uh, of the scrolls, and she says, "Never change your eyes." Yep. And I was, I was sitting there thinking, like, who in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has similar eyes to the scrolls? <laughs> because if there's someone out there that has similar eyes to the scrolls, like maybe they are that scroll. I don't know. It was yeah. probably not a thing, but it seemed kind of a weird. Like the conversation seemed kind of out of place. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. 
it was uh it's one of those things that we're just going to have to go back and look for. I'll see if uh you know if I get to do the the Marvel movie marathon thing. I'll see I'll look for somebody that has those color eyes. Yeah. Do it. If I can stay awake that long. Uh Leah Nicole R sent us an email and said, "Hello there." So I'll just go right into it. What I liked about this movie is that it wasn't all about women empowerment. As a as a woman myself, I don't want it to be a big thing that a woman is the lead of a superhero movie. And Captain Marvel didn't harp on it. It was played as normal, and it should be normal. Not a big deal. And it shouldn't matter that it's a woman as a lead to bring people to watch the film. Now something totally different. I liked the movie. I've heard other reviewers say it was very bland. But as I was watching it, I thought it was great. The feel of the movie was slightly different, I suppose. But to me, I don't understand what you mean when you say it's a different movie. I thought it was very much a Marvel movie, and that's not a bad thing. Now, you say uh, you said that you liked how Fury lost his eye. I absolutely hated that. I thought it would be an, an actually character-defining moment for the character. But no, it was a flurkin. And remember in Avengers, when Nick Fury said, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, in full seriousness, how does that work now? Now, I do agree with your opinion about the Kree. I didn't like how all of a sudden the Kree were all evil and all the scrolls are great. I really wish she just realized that both sides were right and wrong in different ways, but no. Uh, so now Kree are all evil across the MCU, except for Yondu, unconfirmed. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Have you realized that this movie didn't actually do much? In the trailers, Carol said that uh, she wasn't going to fight their war. She was going to end it. But she doesn't actually end the war and ends up fighting against the Kree. So, you know. <laughs> and this movie brings up way too many questions. So here we go. Where did the Tesseract come from and where did it go? From the bottom of the ocean to the lab to wherever it came from in Avengers. How did Nick Fury get so cold? And why does he say that he lost an eye trusting someone unironically when it's a flurkin? What happened to Goose? Why didn't Captain Marvel answer when Nick Fury called before? And if he didn't, why... Yeah, and if he didn't, why didn't he? How did Captain Marvel get to Earth so soon after Nick Fury called? How did the Avengers get the pager so soon after it dropped in the middle of chaos-driven New York? How did Carol get in the Avengers compound? Well, yes, all that. And one more thing is that I did not like at all how it was called the Avengers Initiative because of Carol. But otherwise, it was great. And Jeff, I laughed at the D&D joke. <laughs> yeah! Got okay. one! There are so many questions, and a lot of them are very good. Some of them we've already talked about. Uh, why did I think it was a different movie? Uh, the, so, so, you ever heard of the story circle, Jeff? No. Tell me about it, please. Um, have you ever heard of... Uh, the Hero with a Thousand Faces, the book by Joseph Campbell. Anyway, it's the idea that it's the, called the monomyth. There's a lot of words for it, but it's basically all stories are the same. Uh, you introduce a character, that character has a need, then that character uh, leaves home to seek to fulfill that need, and it throws his life them into a chaos element, and then they 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 accomplish that need that need is not the thing they went the thing they thought they left for is not the same as what they actually end up getting and so they pay a price for getting the thing they wanted and then they learn a lesson and it comes back to the beginning anyway it's, it's called the story circle and it works for almost every thing ever and probably works for this movie too uh, but the first thing you do is establish a character 
That's, yep. so that's like the first part of the movie is you establish a character, then you establish what they need. Or, or you can. The, the, the really neat thing is about this, like it's a really interesting concept, and I highly recommend. There's all kinds of cool books on it. Um, but the story circle is Dan Harmon's version, um, and it, it's it's kind of a modernized version of this the monomyth. Uh, anyway, every story, every Marvel movie is very cut cut by numbers. That story, every thing, origin story. Yeah, well, honestly, all of the stories, every story is that. It's the monomyth, um, but particularly origin stories. Yes, um, but this movie really just barely got out of the first part of that. And that's what made this different to me. It, this movie is all about setting her character up. Yep. Um, yes, she has a victory at the end. It, it's a big battle sequence, but it's it, it does it's not the traditional arc. It, it is. I'm sure there's a way to map that to this movie as well. Um, and I think that the way to do that is that the need she has is to learn who she is, and that's the need she has and the need she tries to fulfill. Um, but it, it just it, it's interesting to get to the end of a movie and you just meet the character. I think that's why this movie was different personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I was just saying it doesn't follow the normal uh the normal story beat sequence. Um mostly because she already has powers at the beginning of it and we only learn about who she is as a as a human like through these weird broken memories and really only fully flesh her out as a human character later in the at movie. The end. Yeah. And, yeah and at even the end. then that, that's exactly my point. Yeah. That's the different kind of movie they're telling. It's not like star Lord is star Lord at the beginning of the movie, you know, and then yeah, he, that dance sequence was not just a dance sequence. That yeah. was us learning about him as a person, as a person and character. Yeah. And even before that, even him as a child, you're learning about who he is as a, as a character that is tied into the very end of the movie. Like they, they establish who the character is at the beginning of a movie. That's what you do. And this movie did not do that, <laughs> which is very strange. Um, and I know I don't, not even just different for a Marvel movie. It's different for a movie, for a movie. Like it's a different way to tell a story. And it was cool. I, I dug it. Um, and, and we've talked about this already, but the last time I, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, that whole thing. Um, I, I think it is a character defining thing. It's just not what we all expected. And so I'm, I'll, I'll give it to him. I think that it's character defining in that he, uh, we now know that Nick Fury is not, Nick Fury is human inside. And I think what probably <laughs> happened is he, he became, the director of shield and he had to learn to be cold and, and to make people believe he was invincible and the super spy, because that's who they needed to believe he was. You know, it's that whole leadership thing where you, you have to seem strong for the crew. And I think part of his story of sacrificing his eye while battling a scroll, like that's, uh, that's all part of that. Um, and then she has a bunch of questions at the bottom of this one, this one, uh, (laughs) Uh, where did the test track go and where did it get? Yeah, we don't know. We know that the test track was picked up from the bottom of the ocean by, yep. um, Howard Stark. Howard Stark. And then Howard Stark was part of, uh, creating S.H.I.E.L.D. And yep. uh, I guess we don't know how it got from him to Marvell. Um, I mean, Project Pegasus was a S.H.I.E.L.D. run facility in Avengers 1. Like, it, it right. only makes sense that they would have some amount of interaction there. Right, but in 89 it was not. So the Pegasus 
which later became Project Pegasus under S.H.I.E.L.D., when they show up, they say, we're from S.H.I.E.L.D., as if they're going to a regular military base. Um, which, uh, I forget, so someone wrote us, uh, it may be in these comments somewhere, uh, annoyed that they called it S.H.I.E.L.D. in this movie. And it yeah. is it is a bit of a canon problem, because we know it, in Iron Man, um, they don't, no, nobody knows what shield is yet, and and they call it, they don't they haven't. Coulson seems to think they have not come up with the acronym yet. I think at that point he's just screwing with everybody. I agree, and that makes sense. If the only time we hear the shield mentioned in this movie is in like this top secret areas, but there is one scene where there's a car crash and Nick Fury gets out of the car and goes, "Official shield business, stand back." And if yeah. if you're just saying we're shield to the public, then like <laughs> shield is not a covert organization at that point. Shield is like well known. Uh, they have authority to just go on the street and say it's official shield business. Stand back, like that's so. Yeah, that is a bit of a problem. I don't like he, it. It bothers me. He could have just said it and flashed a badge, and people are like, okay, yeah, sure. And then they ask questions later, like. Wait, Wait, what's Shield? What is Shield? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, if they're if if he's being that flagrant with the information that Shield exists, there's no way that someone like Tony Stark wouldn't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a little silly, and I don't like that they didn't. You know, you know me and Canon. It really bothers me. Like, I'm my brain hurts right now. I'm trying to resolve it. I'm trying. Like, I'm my head Canon engine is working overtime, and I don't really see a way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how to help. <laughs> uh, what happened to Goose? We don't know. <laughs> he, uh, he had an upset tummy. Yeah, he, he could. He he died from tesseract exposure. <laughs> <laughs> Low levels of gamma. Nothing serious. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Um, yeah, that can be serious. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great line. Um, yep. All right. Why didn't Captain Marvel answer when Nick Fury? We just talked about that. Uh, how did Captain Marvel get to Earth so soon after Nick Fury called? We don't know how long it's been. We know she yeah, has well, light speed travel. We don't know how we, long it's been. We do know that it has been a minute thanks to our friend Ashley Coffin, who is a hairstylist, and noticed that the roots on Black Widow's hair were exposed. So it's been at least a few months. All right. Well, I dig that. And we know that the, it, 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 the signal... That that's been reading out, uh, the pager has been going off for a while. They seem to talk about it like it's been going off for a while. Yeah, and it, it's like a new thing that it turned off. So they're like excited about that. <laughs> they're like, oh, change. Ah, oh, somebody write it down. <laughs> we talked about how did the Avengers get the pager and how did Carol get in the Avengers compound? She's Carol effing Danvers. She does right? what she wants. <laughs> Do you think that your mortal instruments can stop her? No. She she's that uh we also we don't yeah. I'm assuming she just flew in the front door. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm, also shortly after the world is being destroyed. I, I doubt they're worried about the security of that facility that much. <laughs> you didn't lock the front door. It's like there's nobody out there. Yes. There's literally half the people in the world are gone. Like who gives a shit about the front door? And then Steve's like, it's the principle of the thing. Because <laughs> it's Steve motherfucking Rogers. It's just cool that she just shows up. Like, that's the thing. It's just, yeah, it's just you a, can't, it's cool. You can't have a sake. great superhero entrance without just showing up. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Westfox sent us an email and said, hey guys, 
You folks are now the biggest reason I always see a new MCU movie opening night. I can't stand the idea of missing out on our thoughts while I'm waiting to watch it. I've been thinking about two things. One story-wise, one ethical, that I'd love to hear you talk about. Story first. I loved Fury and Coulson, but I was a little disappointed to find out they were already in S.H.I.E.L.D. They were so far out of their depth at first, and understandable even for S.H.I.E.L.D., that I was hoping they were like CIA or the like. And this was the case that exposed them and got them plugged into S.H.I.E.L.D. How great if one of the last scenes was an Agent Carter cameo as she tells them their world has just gotten a lot bigger. Mm, I like that. That oh, that would have been, been so cool. That would have been real. Rad. Oh, if it had been like a like a post credits like like what Fury had with yeah. Iron Man, yeah, and he, and it was Peggy Carter saying that, that would have been amazing. That would have been so great. Would have been amazing. Matthew West Fox. The second thing, one of the things I hate is when movies tell you who the bad guys are by making them the more ugly, the more inhuman. It ties into a lot of awful ideas about judging others on appearance, and often can be kind of racist in the tropes it uses. So I rolled my eyes a bit when I saw our bad guys, the Skrulls, were so ugly and more dark-skinned and less human-looking, etc. So I loved the twist and realizing that the Skrulls were at least sort of the good guys after all. I thought that was such a nice way of twisting the ugly slash inhuman equals bad guy trope that I really appreciated. Love the show. Thanks as always, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, yeah, that, I totally agree with him. I thought that was really cool. Um, and it really did play on the trope. It, it utilized that trope of the ugly, the ugliness is bad by like, convincing us with very little evidence that the scrolls were bad. Yep. You know? So I, yeah, good cat. Good call, Matthew. Yep. Thanks. Yep. I, 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 I kind of want to touch on again, like I'm kind of aggravated though, that there wasn't the nuance to the war. Like e- even, uh, Talos said, you know, our hands are just as covered in blood as yours are. Well, he said my hands. So like, it, you know, his, his, his people, uh, you know, may, like the people that there may may be innocent, but his hands are just as dirty. And, and I do, I, I agree with you. And may, maybe that's all it takes. Me and Dave on the Star Trek podcast talked about Captain Marvel this week. That's one of the big things we talked about was was that enough information? That one line from Talos was that enough to drive home the fact that there's some nuance here? And maybe it is. I mean, we're talking about it. We're having this conversation. There's obviously like some nuance in the movie. But I did find it to be a little thin. And the fact yeah. that she doesn't kill Yonrog. Like, those are two major points that there, she sees a little bit of a... Uh, because she kills the people who show up. There, there seems to be a difference in the Kree. Rewatching it uh, in the very first scene, I almost... I hadn't really remembered this. But in the very first scene, the accusers bomb the planet on one side to distract the scrolls so they can go in and extract that operative... Yeah, yeah. So, so they, they they were setting up from the beginning that there's this sort of uh, dichotomy. There's these sort of soldiers like Yonrog who are going in and fighting the war, but then there's also just these accusers who are just going and blanketing planets with bombs. And, yep. and there's a slight difference there in the way this war is being fought. And Yonrog seems to be legitimately uh, against um, the way that the accusers are acting. Like he's, he, well, he yeah. tries to keep them away from C-35 and I, I was trying to re- figure out why he was trying to keep them away. And it's either because he doesn't uh, agree with them the way they fight the war or uh, it means it's because he was trying to keep 
uh, Carol Danvers away from them for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, he he had that argument with uh, with Ronan on the communicator when Ronan was like, ah, she got compromised by scrolls, so clearly it's now for it's now time for my tactic. And uh, he was like, what bombed them into existence or or bombed them out of existence or whatever. And he's like, nah, no, let's not do that. We're gonna we're gonna do this our way. So, I mean that by itself there shows like without the the subtlety of just noticing like yeah the accusers did a bombing run <laughs> it kind of shows the 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 difference between those two sides yeah. of the cree already I, I, I do like i i thought that i said that in the first cast that there wasn't enough nuance but the more date date david me talked about it and i think he's right that the, the fact that those lines are in there and the fact that she doesn't kill yonrog like those are good reasons that there maybe there was Maybe maybe the nuance was good enough, you know. Maybe maybe like the average they wanted to tell the story that you thought this was the bad guy, but it's actually this these guys. Uh, but they did give us a little bit of context for the Cree. Yeah, and it's it's actually, it's not that like this race is the bad guys. It's this government entity and the strike force that government entity uses is the bad guys. And also, like, the supreme intelligence seems like it's probably the bad guy. <laughs> Well, that's the government entity. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, they populated the world of Hala at the beginning of the movie. Like, she wakes up and looks at Hala, and then, uh, she, you know, they get their training. They go to their training spot or whatever, but they're on, like, a lift. Yeah, after with a that. lot of other people. With a lot of just random other people. They're on a, a, a subway, almost. So, you know, utilizing mass transit... That's that's kind of an advanced thing, right? Oh yeah, I mean, Hollis seems like a very well advanced culture or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's other people there that aren't soldiers, so you know, going there to wipe them out might not be the most ethical way to go about ending the war. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. Next up, Leah. <laughs> Yeah, I read this one uh, when it came in. Leia left a uh, left a comment on our blog. Says, "My goodness, boys, did none of you see Top Gun? That finger twirl means engine start. She's either towing them or charging their engine for the trip." I did see Top Gun once, but no, I did not remember that that was what that finger twirl means. But thank you, thank you, Leia. Good, good, good catch. My dad was in the Navy, so I got that finger twirl all the time. And he always meant it as, let's go, get your ass in gear. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I watched Top Gun like a billion times when I was a kid. Like, that whole movie is stuck in my head. Anyway, thank you for uh, bringing back some painful memories. Andrew Gregg said to us in an email, Hi guys, just got back from Captain Marvel and it's so good! That credit scene! Goose is a flurkin! <laughs> I honestly called that Dr. Lawson was Marvell because in the comics, when Marvell is on Earth, he uses the name Dr. Walter Lawson. Oh, well, there you go. There it is, right there. Just right in her face. Uh, the only part that I didn't like was when Carol has Talos pinned down at the beginning, and I just don't think that was very good acting. But other than that, I loved Brie Larson's performance. Uh, I haven't really decided what my favorite part was yet, but I'm going again on Sunday, and I'll probably decide then. I love that Stan Lee tribute at the beginning. Thanks for the great podcast. Keep up the great work, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Thank you, Drew. 
I did not remember that about Captain Marvel slash Marvel. Yeah, that's uh, great. About his doctor persona. Apparently, it's just a thing for characters to be like, oh, yes, I'm a, I'm a doctor. That's my alternate personality. Uh, <laughs> that's not the word for it. Identity. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eric Kapaz said to us in an email, I saw Captain Marvel opening night and just finished listening to your cast about it, and I had a few ideas. I know that Captain Marvel is supposed to be the strongest hero in the MCU, but I am wondering if Scarlet Witch might be just as powerful. Marvel pulled power from the Space Stone to power her lightspeed engine, which in turn is what, when it explodes, floods her with what could essentially be Space Stone power. While we did not see exactly how Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch were created, we know that it was through a similar process of exposing them to the power of the Mind Stone. As they were both created through exposure to an Infinity Stone, could they both be just as powerful? Scarlet Witch might not be as physically powerful, but as you said in the cast, she does have the ability to hurt people mentally. I wonder if they're going to, in the future, begin creating more heroes who derive their powers from Infinity Stones. Hmm. As for who could be a possible character that could pose a threat to Captain Marvel in the future, I think the Supreme Intelligence could pose a real threat to her in the future, not just a connection to it across space, but if she shows up on Hala to stop the war, I think that the Supreme Intelligence could possibly hurt her attacker mind in some way. In the end credit scene, when she shows up at the Avengers compound, do you think she just walked in, or has she gained... Or has she gained some ability to teleport? Because it seems to me that they would have noticed her walking up into the Avengers compound. Keep up the good work and get back to the runaways when you have the time. Eric, who was formerly in China. Mm. Thanks, Eric. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's you were the first person to write in and ask us to finish Runaways. So, we uh, <laughs> I think we mentioned that a couple weeks ago. We were like, you know, we dropped the ball on that, but also no one asked for it. So we might uh, we we might be able to do that last half of that season sometime. It was yeah, uh, it was good, but it pissed me off because <laughs> it's not in the MCU anymore. Pretty sure from what you were saying, Eric, about uh, Scarlet Witch uh, maybe being as powerful. As Captain Marvel, I, I'm pretty sure that I said whenever we were watching Infinity War and talking about Infinity War right when it came out that it seemed like once uh, once she really got into trying to push Thanos back, that Scarlet Witch was really the only one that could do anything against him, and she did push him back. Like he slid back a lot, but you know she she had her attention uh, divided, so to speak. In that movie. Mm -hmm. It also seems like how many, uh, you know, you've got, you've got all, we've got five of the six infinity stones like ready to go. And you've got someone whose powers derived from one of them. Uh, it seems like the, the infinity gauntlet still might be more powerful even at that point, even when it, before it's complete. Um, but you know, maybe add, add a Captain Marvel into the mix. Maybe not. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got Thor, who's still around, who was able to, to cut into Thanos with the axe, you know, should have gone for the head, but whatever. Um, he can put up a fight against Thanos as far as, like, he can deal damage enough from the look of it. And then Captain Marvel's a freaking beast, so, you know, 
Thanos should have a decent fight on his hand. And if, if they get Scarlet Witch back before going to fight Thanos, like if they go and grab the heroes from the past and bring them forward and then fight Thanos and just kind of leave the rest of half of existence out of the equation, which I don't think that they'll do. Uh, if they were to somehow get Scarlet Witch on their team along with Thor and Captain Marvel, then shit. Yeah. Like, nobody stands a chance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, next up we got 084 sending us an email. So many thoughts about the new movie. Here they are, as unjumbled as possible. Right off the bat, I was in love with this character. I don't mean in a romantic way. I mean, it's Brie Larson, and I'm a human being, so partly in a romantic way. But it's so great to see a protagonist kick all of the ass and have the most fun while doing it. She's mocking scrolls. She's returning tiny little pew-pew shots with gigantic photon blasts. And she's taking absolutely none of anybody's shit. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Hmm. That's I agree with all of those points, yes, entirely. Next bullet, I did notice a couple of weird shots with the de-aging, more so on Coulson than Fury, but not enough to take me out of it. It was great to see these two back in the day, and I'm glad that for the most part it didn't completely destroy any continuity from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The only line that's troubling is Fury referring to Coulson as the new guy, quote-unquote. Now, it's obvious that this isn't the fresh-out-of-high-school Phil that Fury supposedly recruited and trained alongside John Garrett, but there are some workarounds. He could have trained Coulson in secret for some reason. He also could have floated this detail to Carol to downplay any bond he might have had with Coulson. Uh, in case she did end up being a hostile. I'm not sure. I've lost all faith in hashtag it's all connected at this point, and instead clinging to it's not all disconnected by the <laughs> weakest of headcanons. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. That I'd forgotten that uh, he said he got him fresh out of high school, because this is definitely not a fresh out of high school, Colson. No, absolutely not. Did you see that, that hairline? Yeah. I mean, I know guy, I've known guys with bad hairlines and that pretty pretty young <laughs> uh, next bullet I thought the scrolls were great even if the twist that Talos wasn't 100% a dick was kind of predictable <laughs> not 100% a dick it didn't seem to me like Carol was just going to fly to Hala and murder all Kree including barbers while, while singing the Skrull National Anthem, that would still be her fighting the war. I think she means to help Skrulls and others that might be innocent and defeat the Supreme Intelligence and the Kree soldiers enforcing its rule. Uh, but that's just how I read it. I really want a What We Do in the Shadows movie with a bunch of well-meaning Skrulls living together. Can that be Taika Waititi's next Marvel project? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, let's see. There were so many connections in this movie that I don't think that I don't think were all on purpose. The Tesseract and Project Pegasus obviously were blatant. It was fun to see what happened uh, to it between the first Avenger and the first Avengers. Yes, that sentence was confusing on purpose. Jerk. Uh, then there's Nick Fury's unfortunate eye incident, making the Winter Soldier line "Last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye" so much better. What surprised me was the Kree inhibitor that Carol wore on her neck. It's so similar to what Daisy wears in the alternate future, although it would seem that Carol simply ripping hers off inspired the Kree to make doing so a lot harder by the time 2091 rolls around. I doubt anyone working on the movie watched the show, and I don't think Clark would have had near enough input to suggest that story point, but it's a nice coincidence. Yeah, for sure. That's like the best connection we got to the show. Right, right. <clears throat> Uh, next bullet point. Oh God, it's so long already. Not done though. That's totally worthy of a bullet point. Mm -hmm. 
I love how they MCU'd Carol's origin. I was always worried about how problematic it was in the comics. The big female hero gets her powers how? By being saved by a male love interest, and then is later named after said love interest. They kept the explosion, but it's brought about by her own sacrifice. I'd like to think she knew that shooting the engine would result in a blast and probably kill her, but knowing that lives were somehow at stake, she takes the situation into her own hands and does it anyway. Some of my favorite moments for these MCU characters are what they do before they get their powers. Tony in the cave, Steve jumping on a grenade, and now Carol shooting that engine all feel the same, for me at least. Hmm, good point. Yeah, that is a really good point that I had not considered before. Um, that I mean, that's that's why she's worthy, right? Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what she does with that hammer. Right. That wasn't meant to sound sexual. <laughs> uh, let's see. The Rambo family was very well done. Lashana Lynch's acting was very understated and subtle and sold a very controlled character, having a difficult time processing the return of her thought-to-be-dead friend. She was also great piloting that ship and thwarting Minerva, uh, even if I'm sad to see Gemma Chan go so soon. I'm excited to see Monica all grown up in the sequel and helping Carol kick more ass. Her involvement in Carol's color scheme was adorable, don't tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree with you, sir. That was that was a fun, kid-friendly moment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the character of Goose speaks for itself, right? No need to bring all that up? Good. I probably need to wrap up. So on to the credits scene. Endgame. One detail surprised me here. Shocker, I know. We've been told that the two teasers we've gotten are mostly made up of footage from pretty early in the movie. And in that footage, Cap's clean-shaven and Widow has her hair red again. I think this means Carol shows up possibly in one of the first few scenes, when Cap's beard is still a tribute to Thor. Given how powerful she obviously is, I would have thought they they would wait until well into the second act to throw her in and save the day. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. With Ant-Man showing up with some likely helpful quantum info, Tony's inevitable return to Earth, and now Carol popping up at the facility, ready to turn Thanos into grape juice, it's looking pretty clear that the Avengers are going to get a lot of help trying to piece everything back together. I think mm-hmm. that's all. Post-credit was cute. My initial thought was the Tesseract should have burned through Fury's desk, but Matt suggesting that we've only seen it burn things when it's been active helped to fill that tiny plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of my headcanon in that moment. <laughs> I'm proud that everyone's like writing in like, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> what, whatever weird science we're using, I, I guess that makes sense as much as anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that tracks. No, that tracks. <laughs> like, I feel like everybody's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, pulls out their little notepads. Like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 I got that. Head cannon, head cannon stasis achieved. Right? <laughs> like, we're good, everybody. I got the notes. We'll take it to the rest of the follow-up meetings, the breakout <laughs> sessions. We're okay. Uh, let's see. At this point, it's moot to try and rank all the movies one by one, so I won't try. I think I'd put this somewhere in the top third overall, and it would knock probably one of the Guardians movies into the middle. I'm always back and forth on which one is better. Uh, until next time, true believers, Excelsior! Oh yeah, and the Stanley intro broke me, so thanks for that, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Thanks, O84. Yep. You know, always you know what commentary. I'm really looking forward to? And this is in relation to his, to his his talk about like you can't rank all these movies. It's really hard to rank twenty one movies 
yeah. like that, you know, it's it's very difficult to do that. It's going to take a minute to go through them all. So I am looking forward to a time when it's just like, you know what? I think that the Marvel uh, cosmic realm is probably my favorite realm of the Marvel movies. Like, that's my favorite genre of Marvel movies. Yeah, well, we can kind of already do that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We're getting there. It's pretty crazy. Like, you know, I really like the spy thrillers. Um, <laughs> the rom-coms were my thing, you know? <laughs> Still haven't had that. At least I don't think. I feel like uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp was kind of a rom-com. You know, there were people that were saying that, and that was in that uh, that Russian report. I, just, I, I don't know that I felt it. I don't know that I felt the rom-com in it. Yeah, I, I actually mean both Ant-Mans. Uh, it, it, it's definitely rom. It's definitely rom, and it's definitely com. I think it's as much a rom com as it is a heist movie. I think it was way more a heist movie than it was a rom com. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I don't though. <laughs> but you just said you did hear me. No, I, Wait a minute. I heard you, but I don't agree with you. Oh, okay. I don't think I don't think it's as much. I don't think it's any more. I think it's you know it has a it has a heist in it. But it also has lots of uh, romance building between those two characters, and it has lots of comedy. So, no, that's part Who's of the heist say? movie. Haven't you seen some, any? Some, which, it's part of some heist movies. It's not all oh, heist shit. movies don't always have comedy or romance. Which which heist movie am I thinking of now? I was going to say Ocean's Eleven, but I was thinking of The Italian Job. Mm-hmm. Whew, that was hard. Yeah. That was rough. So there are heist movies that are comedic for sure, and with romance for sure, but. Not always. No, it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Daniel Scott sent us an email. Said, "Hi guys, I'm a longtime listener of the pod, first time emailer. Hey, welcome, Dan. Welcome, Daniel. Uh, I live in Wales in the UK and went to the midnight showing of Captain Marvel. I loved your review of the movie. I'm hoping to watch it a second time before you guys release a follow up episode." It was a really cool take on an origins movie, and I am pumped. All caps for Endgame now. I wanted to get your opinion on something. As I understood it at first watch, Marvell was using the Tesseract as a power source for her engine. The power in that engine was then absorbed by Carol. I wondered what your thoughts were on how this could play out in Endgame. Thanos has to have this custom-made gauntlet just to harness the power of the stones. Yet Carol has just absorbed it and not only survived, but become stronger. Maybe with the help of some Kree blood. With the variation of the different abilities attributed to each stone, I guess Thanos still has a good arsenal. Uh, but how will they affect Captain Marvel, if at all? We perhaps don't know enough about her yet to know her weaknesses, apart from her own emotions. Uh, but I wonder how the actual battle with Thanos will play out and how her abilities slash weaknesses match up against Thanos. Based on what we've seen, Captain Marvel is the MVP, but it wouldn't be much fun if she just kicked Thanos' butt with Proton Blast. There must be more balance to the fight. Just wondering how you think it might play out. Also, a really small part of the film that you guys didn't mention, but I really enjoyed, was the end, when Fury is typing out the protector program, and then looks at the photo of Carol next to the plane with the word Avenger on it. Then he just deletes protector, and we all know what he replaces it with. Uh, This was a really cool touch and brought a huge smile to my face. These are the little things that Marvel does so well. Anyway, sorry for the lengthy email. You probably don't get enough time to read all the emails, so hopefully some other listeners will ask similar questions, and I'll get to hear your answer them instead. Keep up the good work, guys. Dan. Uh, thanks, Dan. Um, we tried to get to all the emails. Sometimes we get so far behind that we just can't, but we try to get to all of them. 
uh, and try to do these these feedback roundups where we talk about all these things, which is what we're doing tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. How will they affect Captain Marvel? I think uh, her surviving that blast, it has something to do with it. it wasn't actually the Tesseract. It was just like power from the Tesseract had been absorbed or, or created into that engine. We, You know, obviously, there's no science here. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Glowing rock used to make glowing engine used to make glowing human. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, no, there's no science. They don't even try. I like it. I'm fine yeah. with it. In, uh, in, in Captain America, the first Avenger, they use the Tesseract just to feed energy in, and they just unleash that energy in the, in the weapons, and that's, you know, vaporize people because energy. So I'm assuming that's kind of what happened with her in her, uh, in her absorption. Yeah. So talking about the Thanos of it all and how she will stack up against Thanos, uh, I'm sure there will be a Thanos fight in this movie. Oh, yeah. Actually, I take that back. I guess my point is I'm not sure that there will be a Thanos fight in this movie. Okay, I disagree. Um, I think it's very possible this movie is going to be more about, uh, you know, going back and stopping all of this from, from ever happening and therefore, the actual fight with Thanos in Wakanda either never occurs, or or by the time they get to him, he's so underpowered because he doesn't have the gauntlet. I think they're going to go. I think they're going to do something to try to remove it from remove the whole scenario. Now they're they're going to have to fight some sort of battle, but I think it could be a non-Thanos related battle or multiple non-Thanos related battles. Yeah. I mean, what if they form the Illuminati like they did in the comics where they take all the stones and separate them, you know, in, across the various people who can wield them? Yeah, I, I think that they will. I really do. They uh, they take that, form the Illuminati, and then they're just like, oh, we've got all the stones, Thanos. What do you think you're going to do here? And they just whoop his ass. Yeah. You could, you could imagine a moment like you have with Loki in Avengers 1 where they're all standing over Loki defeated, where Thanos goes out on a on a quest to find the stones and they show up with all the stones and say sorry man you're defeated <laughs> like you're done because Not of all the other work we've done you're just done yep yep that would be pretty cool i'd be okay with that so i don't know that we're going to get like an actual physical fight with thanos i i, I would also I wouldn't be surprised but i wouldn't also wouldn't be surprised if they do go a different route nick i think this movie's going to be more about the characters than just i, I do there obviously has to be some sort of big set Peace battle sequences, which the fact they, that they're going to be some, they're obviously going to be some big set piece battle sequences, and they have not shown us what they are yet. Yeah, like we've never gone into a movie, a Marvel movie, not knowing anything about any of the battle sequences. You know, Civil War, they were talking about the airport sequence for we, you know, months before, um, and I'm, I'm so excited to go in not even knowing what the battles are going to be like. Yeah, man, we're five weeks out. Yeah. We're five weeks out, we still don't know shit. It's insane. Oh, how do we do this? How do we live? How do I live waiting on Avengers? I want to know. All right, what's next? No, that's great. Keep it going. <laughs> uh, Peter said to us, love the cast. Hey, I think the Thunderbolt Ross as a scroll theory is great. It also follows the reveal in the Kree scroll War way back uh, when a hawkish American politician turned out to be a scroll. Also, I can see Everett Ross as one as well. Ooh. Thank you, Peter. I am really, really glad that you you like my theory. Um, I 
thought that that was who it was that that it was, it was a politician in the Cree, in the secret invasion and Kree scroll war, but yeah, I didn't remember enough to confirm. But thank you for confirming. Yeah, you're great. Love you, Peter. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. <laughs> uh, Joey Casino said to us, "Hey guys, love your work as always." So I think that this movie is a victim of the overall success of the MCU. So when you say a movie like this is somewhere in the middle, it's seen as a or it seemed as a letdown because of the high standards that are set on Marvel movies. Is this movie perfect? No, it's not. But it's not one of the worst Marvel movies made, as some reviewers online have stated. I think Larson is very opinionated, and some will go into this movie with a certain mindset that makes you look at the faults rather than enjoy the movie. I thought overall, after the movie started slowly, that the that the pacing was pretty good, especially when Captain Marvel got to Earth and teamed up with Fury. I thought that Larson wasn't sure how she wanted to uh, to play the character, which caused her at times to seem without expression. I thought overall the movie was a solid entry, and I went with my partner who, before the movie wasn't as keen to see it, but at the end fell in love with the character and cheered when the credits began. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10, and OMG, that opening with Stan Lee made me cry. Thanks, guys. Peace. P.S. OMG, that mid-credits scene was amazing. And I'm so hyped for Endgame. Why can't it hurry and get here already? Marvel takes all my money. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. You're right. Right on all counts. (laughs) So say we all. (laughs) Yeah, I I think this was a good movie. I, I understand where some of the faults are being stated. I, I do think that it was a little, as I said earlier, I think it, it takes you so long to get to know Captain Marvel that there's not as much to root for in this movie. So the victory at the end doesn't feel as victorious as I want it to because I don't. I don't love her character as much as I want to. And by the end, I think I, I, by the end, I think I just love her character by the end, but it's like the end of the movie. And I, 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 it's, we don't even know who she is until the end of the movie. You know, we just really get to know her. Um, and that's, you know, that's, it was an interesting way to tell a story. And it's not, I don't think it's a bad movie at all, but I understand where, why some people aren't as hyped on it, but we're all so hyped for Endgame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like the entire world is hyped for Endgame. Mm-hmm. So Chris Lewis said to us, uh, "Hey guys, saw Captain Marvel this evening. A perk of living in New Zealand. Oh, this was this was before it came out over here. Yeah, okay. What a jerk, right? Uh, We're really, New Zealanders. There's always like a week out of the year where we really dislike New Zealanders. <laughs> yeah, freaking Kiwis. Ugh." <laughs> The absolute worst. The scourge of the Southern Hemisphere. No wonder you're never on maps. Wow, that got too real. Yeah, you, you <laughs> took it to a dark place, man. Yeah, uh, there's a whole subreddit about maps that don't feature New Zealand, yeah, and I, I got lost on that Reddit at one point. <laughs> uh, the, uh, John Oliver talked about it last week. Oh, did um, he? Yes, but also, uh, much love to our New Zealand brethren. They had a really yeah. bad uh, terrorist attack this week. Yeah, they did. So I, really I feel like we're that. bringing up bringing up New Zealand and talking about. It. I feel like we can't say it without uh, saying we love you guys and uh, we we wish you all well. And that's that's that it's awful. Flight of the Concords is my favorite band ever. So I'm sure that uh, that turns around those silly comments that I was saying earlier. Have you heard of Flight of the Concords? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, 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 okay. I mean, you're a musician, but you said you're bad at it. You know that Taika Waititi directed that show. 
Did he? Yeah, that's where he got his no start. No shit. Yeah. That's where he got to start. So if you watch the Fly the Concords television show, you notice the uh, you Taiko T's in it first of all. He's he so you hear he, he's he's like in the show and he's and he directed it and helped them write it or whatever. Who was he in the show? Uh, I forget, but if you watch the show, you can see him in there. I'm gonna, I gotta watch the show again now. Yeah, it's crazy. Talented dude. Back to this email. We got not even the first sentence. Uh, Chris Lewis said, Hey guys, saw Captain Marvel this evening, a perk of living in New Zealand, and I have got to say that it is so good to get back into the MCU. It feels like it's been so long, and I'm so grateful that we only have to wait a bit over a month for Endgame. Anyway, just thought I'd drop a few thoughts. I went in without huge expectations, and I enjoyed it immensely, though I don't think it'll hold up as one of the greatest MCU films. I'm a big fan of Brie Larson, but I wasn't sure if she'd be a great Captain Marvel, and the trailers really didn't do a good job of convincing me otherwise. After watching the film, though, I'm entirely convinced. I think she's a great addition to the MCU. Uh, the Stanley intro was well done and caught me a little off guard. The chemistry between Carol and Fury was excellent. A bit sad that Fury doesn't understand the best way to cut toast, but I'll get over it. Uh, the pacing seemed a bit off to me. The middle of the film dragged on a bit, but I have to admit the reunion scene and thereafter had me pretty emotional. I was too distracted by waiting for Jude Law's character to be revealed as a villain to even consider that the Skrulls weren't what they seemed, and I loved it. Easily a highlight for me. Also, Ben Mendelsohn killed it. It was great to see Carol unlocking her potential, but still obviously learning along the way. I was afraid she'd just suddenly be completely OP right out of the gate. Also, I wasn't expecting to see the Tesseract, so that's neat. Uh, the, this film really makes me want to see Captain Marvel in the present-day setting. Oh shit, can we talk about that mid-credits scene? The in-game hype is becoming too much. I wonder where this slots in time-wise. I see Steve still has his beautiful beard. Uh, do you guys think that this is a, uh, a scene that has just been plucked from the movie, a la Doctor Strange's post-credits scene from Thor Ragnarok? Anyway... Thanks for reading my ramblings. Looking forward to many more stupid and some clever endgame theories. Cheers, Chris. He mentioned Ben Mildman. He mentioned oh, yeah? Ben Mildman. I'm having a hard time saying Ben Mendelsohn. He mentioned Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think I've ever in my life not been able to say a word like this. this is weird. Uh, he mentioned Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn is hard to say. Uh, I, and you just said it perfectly. I know. I think it's something about mentioned Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, the word mentioned I mean, on the front of Ben Mendelsohn is really difficult for me. He mentioned Ben Mendelsohn, uh, and I really agree. Like, him as that scroll. Uh, uh, Talos. Talos. Yeah, I freaking loved. I loved every yeah. scene he was in. When I thought he was a villain, I thought he was wonderful. Like, wonderful sort of complex villain seemed like. And then as he... Uh, you know, turned it around at the end. Like I, I thought he was very uh, realistic and like lovable, but also sort of had that darkness to him. Like I really liked that character a lot. I really hope we see him again. Yeah, I, I fully agree that Ben Mendelsohn acted his ass off through all that makeup. I don't know how. It's it's crazy that he was able to do so good with yeah. all of that on. He just has really, such a voice. Yeah, it just the way that he drives that uh, that characterization was just. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. I'm totally, totally in agreement. Uh, let's see. Next up, 
Uh, Nathaniel Muzzy said to us on Facebook, just occurred to me that the power inhibitor on Captain Marvel is in the same place as the one they placed on Daisy in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They look different, but the one Daisy got was years in the future. I wonder if the placement was intended. And we hope so. Yeah, we talked about that earlier, and yeah. we definitely hope that that was a, uh, a real nod. That could actually be a nod to the shows that we've been asking for. Yeah, absolutely. We just have to get the, the directors... Uh, of Captain Marvel on the show to interview them and specifically just ask them that question <laughs> and then, then they can go. Uh, let's see. Lastly, lastly, 084 said to us on Twitter, Adam's cast, a lot of the blows in that I'm just a girl fight do hit on the beats of the song. At least it seemed that way when I saw it last week. Guess I gotta go see it again. Oh no. Yeah, I, I, I have seen it again since I said it does not hit on the beat. And it, I still stand by that. But it does the first like two beats of the song hit with like her first punch of the fight. So like there's a, you know, there, there is just like for a, just, I think that's why it resonated with me that that's what should happen. But it seems like they got lazy with it. Like they, they obviously had the music drop right when she grabs the person or throws them or whatever. And it's like, Oh, here it goes. And then it's just, then after that, it's just a, a sloppy mess. Um, <laughs> good scene, but could have been so much better. Could have been so much better. <laughs> I think that's all we have, right? Yeah, that's all the Captain Marvel That's the Captain Marvel feedback. Uh, we'll be back with you guys soon. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com, slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU. Uh, if you want to support the cast, go to patreon.com, slash mcucast. We love you all. Peace. Until next time, true believers. True believers.